I want to challenge you, Jacinda Ardern, to a DJ battle. Anytime, anywhere, name the place. I'm there. What would you drop first? Fantasy by Max Key out now. <laughs> Is it on? Look, I'm going to uh, shirt front, Mr. Putin. I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. I will not. No, wait. It it is on? Uh, you bet you are. Uh, you bet I am. I don't like it. Oh, fair shake of the sauce bottle, mate. Well, may we say God save the Queen. Because nothing will save the Governor General. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of BuzzFeed Australia's political podcast, Is It On? My name is Alice Workman. Her name is Lane Sainty. His name is Nicholas Ray. And we are recording this on the morning of Wednesday, the 20th September from Auckland, New Zealand. Kia ora, Lane. Alice. Kia ora. Hello. We've been spending a great deal of time together in this hotel room in Auckland this week. (laughs) It has not been annoying at all. (laughs) Okay. That's right. We're here for a week covering the New Zealand national election, or should I say national election? So around 3 million Kiwis are heading to the polls on Saturday. And you know, Lane, if you'd asked me a few months ago about the New Zealand election, you know what I would have said? What would you have said? Boring! Two middle-aged white guys trying to be Prime Minister. We've got that in Australia. I don't care. But then eight weeks ago, everything changed. The leader of the Labor Party, Andrew Little, stood down and 37-year-old Jacinda Ardern emerged triumphant, the youngest ever leader of New Zealand's Labor Party. And you know what? She's really turned things around from heaps dull bro to fully sick A. Well, yeah, she's she's really got some... <laughs> You're really not buying into what I've thrown out today. <laughs> I just can't get into the the NZ lingo. Anyway, Arden has really. Have you, have you tried to on some jandals yet? No. Brought out a chili bun. No, I've done neither. Do you of know those they things. call liquid paper twink? Twink, twink. It's a fun fact for you. In Australia, small gay man. In New Zealand, liquid paper <laughs> or whiteout. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't even know where to go from here. Arden, back to her policies. There's some really progressive ones out there. There's the first year of university being free, cheaper housing for first home buyers, even legalising medicinal cannabis. But then on the other side of the spectrum, some people have compared her to Donald Trump for her plans to cut immigration by 30,000 spots. Yeah, it's amazing how one person can be compared to both Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. It it is really amazing. (laughs) I mean, just what? (laughs) But I think it's safe to say that Jacinda Mania has swept the country. Mm, We'll get to Jacinda Mania in a moment. But first, what's on the show this week? Well, I had the chance to interview Jacinda Arden live on Twitter on Monday night and throw her a whole bunch of questions from about her policies for free uni, whether or not she thinks the New Zealand flag should be changed. I mean, obviously, I'm voting for the Kiwi and the laser. Mm-hmm. Not that I get a vote, yeah. but that's what I'd be going for. Uh, does she think New Zealand should become a republic? What's her favourite dance floor banger? And, uh, Lane, why she decided to quit Snapchat? <laughs> Why did she decide to quit Snapchat? Well, I don't want to ruin the interview. I'll just give it a bit of forward sizzle. Uh, maybe some unsolicited pics of a certain variety. Mm, certain variety, you say? <laughs> yes. Well, All I right. also sat down this week with Education Minister Nikki Kay, who is also 37. Uh, she survived breast cancer twice. She is an amazing woman. Well, we've got a lot to get through, so let's crack on to this week's Fast Five. It is a Fast Five things you need to know about New Zealand's election, and we're going to make it fast. Nick? 
Let's get that timer going. Okay, so number one is New Zealand's electoral system. They have non-compulsory voting and normally around 70% of the population turnout. So that's 3 million people. So those 3 million people will vote to elect around 120 politicians. Now, New Zealand parliament is unicameral. So that means they only have one parliament house and that houses all of the 120 politicians. Now, the system that they use to elect their politicians is called the Mixed Member Proportional System. MMP, which means there are two types of politicians, Lane. There are about 70 who represent an electorate, and then the other 50 uh, are elected from a party list. So when you go to vote, you're voting for two things. The single person you want to be your local member, and also the party you want to vote for on the list, which is like a quota list system. Uh, So for Australians, this is like having a a house of reps and a Senate all together in one house. Does that make sense, Lane? Uh, Yeah. Okay, I think I've got it. Okay, what's number two? All right, number two is who will be the next Prime Minister? We've got 55-year-old Conservative Catholic Bill English aiming to win a fourth term for the National Party. English has six kids. He led the country through the GFC as Finance Minister and he's on Snapchat. Check him out. Or we have 37-year-old former Mormon, now agnostic, Jacinda Ardern, who's the leader of the Labor Party. She was the president of the International Union of Socialist Youth, But interestingly, she also worked as a senior policy advisor for former UK Prime Minister Tony Blair, but said she never met him, and the second female New Zealand Prime Minister, Helen Clark. Interesting to note, both Bill English and Jacinda Ardern have been in their jobs less than a year. Yeah, it's weird. It is weird. So Bill English took over National in December when John Key stepped down and Jacinda Ardern took over the Labor Party from Andrew Little just eight weeks ago. So it's a race between the two of them for the top job, but someone else will have to be involved because no party has ever managed to govern outright in the MMP system. So we've got other parties, minor parties, New Zealand First, the Greens, the Maori Party. Most likely, one of them will end up in a coalition. Okay, so number three is we know who the players are. What are the big election issues? Well, according to New Zealand news outlet News Hub, the biggest election issues are health, so how spending hasn't kept up with population growth and it's getting more difficult to access public health care, housing affordability, also damp and insulation in houses, and they want people to be able to rent for longer. The environment is a huge issue for both parties, which is strange because both the Conservative Party and the left-wing party are both behind spending more on the environment. Um, There's also balancing the budget is a big issue, law and order, education and immigration. National slogan is the clear choice this election. They're running on a platform of less debt, more jobs, stable government, typical centre-right stuff, so families, business independence, less tax, more government, individual freedom and choice. Labor's slogan is Let's do this. Uh, they have a lot of very evocative kind of Hillary stand with her, vote with Jacinda kind of stuff. Alice just um, a, little, a little wiggle as she said, let's do this. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot they want to do. They've got 17 things they want to do in the first 100 days. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Australians who all know and love uh, 100 positive policies from Australia's Labor Party, they're, they're falling short of 100 different things. They've only got 17 they want to do, but they include free uni, increased penalty rates and student allowances, fixing mental health, putting in a child poverty target, setting up a carbon uh, zero carbon emissions goal. But uh, the main criticism of Labor is that they have all these policies and their costings just don't add up. What's number four? It's a bird. It's a plane. <laughs> it's a youth quake. What? It is rare you see political party leaders under 40 Mm. and Jacinda Ardern is 37. She's put forward a whole bunch of policies that are aimed directly at young people. So we went to Auckland Uni to find out, is Jacinda mania a thing? 
And what is a youthquake? What is a youthquake? It's like a term they're using now to describe how lots of young people are really feeling attracted towards Labour at the moment and how that that could possibly swing the election. She's female, she's young, um, she's a breath of fresh air. It sounds like a lot of youth voters are now enrolling. I don't know whether that's because of Jacinda or whether because they're turning 18 and they can now. But yeah, I'd say I'd say there's a fair amount of youth support um, for her, yeah. What do you guys think of Jacinda Arden? Um, yeah, I think she's quite headstrong. She's... I think she's definitely capable of running the country. She's definitely very well spoken and I definitely do have a bias towards her. Um, I grew up in New Island and her dad is actually High Commissioner. Um, yeah, yeah, and he was head of department for police officers and he is such an authentic human being and um, for me he, she's a testament to him I guess. I think she's fantastic. It's actually made the choice much harder this time um, because I'd, I'd love to actually support Jacinda. Um, but as the Green campaign um, is pushing at the moment, a vote for Green is a vote for Labour as well. So, yeah, that's actually won me over. Now, New Zealand has non-compulsory voting and turnout is normally around the 70% mark. So the big question is, will the under-30s come out and vote for Jacinda? But interestingly, unlike Australia, the electoral rolls don't close until the day before the election. So you can rock up and enrol and pre-vote all at the same time. That's so cool. Yeah. Jeez, Malcolm cool. Turnbull, that sounds pretty agile, doesn't it? It does sound You can very enroll at the same time as you vote. So agile. Whoa. <laughs> so, Whoa. Alice, what's number five? Well, number five, who is going to win? Well, the polling has it neck and neck. Saturday's Horizon Reach poll had National with 38.5, Labor with 38.2, so that would translate and mean that National would have 48 seats and Labor 47. But all the latest polling has both major parties within a point of each other, so it is too close to call. The obvious question here, can we trust the polling? I mean, it is hard because of their MMP system, because of the different ways they elect people. But the obvious question here is, can we trust the polling? I mean, obviously, it's hard because of their MMP system. It is a bit difficult, but polling in the past has been accurate in terms of the election results. So I think we can. But of course, you've always got to say the last year of public polling on elections, if it's taught us anything, Lane, anything could happen. So you have to wait and see what happens on Saturday. I'll be here on the ground in Auckland. So there's your primer on New Zealand's election. Let's dive into our chat with Jacinda Arden that we did earlier this week, live on Twitter from her office in the outskirts of Auckland City. Jacinda, thanks so much for joining me here on BuzzFeed oh, News. Thanks for making the effort to come and talk to me. It's awesome to awesome to chat. Now, I wanted to let you know up front that I plan on having children in six years and it took me two hours to dress myself today. <laughs> so just to let you know you're just in a safe get space. You, to get where you are. <laughs> yep, got it. But let's uh, let's quickly talk about cheaper universities. Yep. So first year university would be free. How would that work? So what we've looked at is just what the future of work is looking like for the, for the next generation. You know, we know in New Zealand 46% of jobs uh, are likely to either not exist or change dramatically because of automation. You know, and every country is facing that dilemma. Now we can't predict what the future is going to look like, but we can prepare the workforce. So we decided that for anyone who hadn't trained before, hadn't been to polytech or university or you know, trades training, we wanted the first year of their study to be free starting next year. So that's for people who might even be working the factory floor right now, mm -hmm. um, as well as school leavers. So, so we no to tertiary, no fees. No, no fees. fees. Yep. Um, we went to Auckland Uni today and we met a couple of students, um, most of them who are already studying. Yeah, so and they all said, yeah, well, what about, about me? <laughs> what about me? Why isn't the final year free? So you work up towards yeah. the incentive as opposed to getting people in the door who might drop out after well, a year. Yeah, and I've had that raised with me. Well, for yeah. them, actually, we know that they've got a big issue 
the student allowance is too low. Mm -hmm. You know, in New Zealand, we're talking 170 bucks a week in student allowance. We're going to bump that up to 50 uh, by $50. So that helps them. It helps all the students who are currently there. Um, when it comes, though, to those, those, um, that first year, actually, we're aiming to get three years free by 2024. We're just having to phase it in because yep. it's expensive. So the reason we're doing first year is actually a lot of people will just do a one-year course. It's not just all about people who are doing degree programs. Um, and it's simply easier because we are phasing a three-year program to start with one, build in two, mm. then build in a third, than it is to go backwards and decipher which person's last year it is. So it, it is a simplicity. But, you know, I, I do recognise, though, there's a lot of people who went through university, myself included, um, who went through at a time, you know, when even we were charging interest on student loans while you were studying um, or won't benefit from this. We've got to pay it forward. We've got to put a line in the sand and say, actually, we want better for everyone else and, and we're going to vote for it. Well, we have got a question from Twitter. Uh, what support will New Zealand Labor offer young people who don't want to pursue traditional education? Yep. So obviously not uni, but yep. they want trades or vocations. P perfect, perfect question. I want more of that. You know, we've got a shortage of tradies um, by a long way. Uh, so actually we're going to use that same free um, principle to try and also cover the costs of people who are going into pre-trade training. Uh, and support them as much as possible. But in New Zealand, what they need are more apprenticeship places. So we need more employers to say, we'll take you on as an apprentice. So we're going to incentivise employers, give them the equivalent of the dole, mm -hmm. uh, to uh, help support them take on more apprentices. So create more trading, training places for them. Are you, are you worried at all that maybe by incentivising businesses they might take on trades and then churn and burn the kids so no. they'll go through them quickly? Or? One of the requirements is that we, subsidi we subsidise you for a year, you've got to keep them on for three. So that's, that's the right. quid pro quo of that. And also, we're going to introduce something called the Prime Minister's um, uh, Vocational Excellence Award. So okay. every single secondary school in New Zealand will have a $2,000 award to give to someone who's pursuing vocational training or trades. It'll be the only award with the Prime Minister's name on it in schools, and it's all about lifting the profile of the trades because mm. that was a great career, but we put a lot of emphasis on university um, and we've forgotten some of our trades. Do you think too many people are going to university? Do you think that's a problem? Well, I do. You know, the average age of an apprentice in New Zealand is 26, so it means that they're taking a, a while to get yeah. there. So if we can make it a little bit quicker as a journey, mm. um, and we do have people who drop in and drop out, Good careers guidance, good support to help pick the right path, the thing that suits you is the way to go. Right. Now, we've got another question from Twitter here. I'm assuming this is an Australian. Uh, there's a lot of Kiwis that study in Australia and the Australian government want to make them pay more. Yes. Uh, do you think that Australians studying in New Zealand should also have to pay more? Um, you know, I'm going to be really honest uh, with you. If, if Australia uh, treats New Zealanders in Australia like international students, uh, in terms of the way the fees regime works from them, we'll, we'll have no choice but to do the same here. You know, I want to see that reciprocal relationship, yeah. um, particularly if we're bringing in free, free tertiary ed. We need to see the same uh, uh, New Zealand students in Australia treated the same as domestic students. So, yeah, so I hope... Tough luck, Aussies. Yeah, uh, if, if, if we <laughs> see New Zealanders lose that option, then, then you'll see the same treatment here. All right, guys, if you've got a uh, question, you can throw it to us on Twitter with the hashtag decision at 17. We've got one from Bridget here. She wants to know if you would ever consider removing the 15% GST to tampons and yeah. sanitary pads. Now, she says it's an inequality issue. Some yep. people can't afford them. They're forced to reuse them or they skip work or school to stay at home. Yeah. And that is true. That is true. We do have young women who stay home um, just because they're not able to, the cost um, of accessing sanitary items. And that's, you know, that's not right. Of course, 
we should do something about that. The only issue though that I've been grappling with a little bit is if you take um, GST off, that doesn't necessarily automatically guarantee that price is going to stay down. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to see us, for instance, uh, and we have, we have got a bit of this in New Zealand already, those products being freely accessible in our schools, um, where, particularly where we know these high needs. And you know, I'd like us to even explore, we have uh, you know, a community services card for people on lower incomes, whether or not that's a way we can access um, subsidised products, for instance. So, but you wouldn't look at uh, getting rid of the GST? Uh, only because I don't think we can guarantee that keeps that price down. So okay. I want to do something that's going to be really effective. Okay, well still on the GST, uh, New Zealand First have uh, said they want to take the GST off basic food items. And yep. I know that you've said that one of your biggest goals is poverty, yep. child poverty. Yep. Would you ever consider, if it comes to it, making a deal with New Zealand First to take the GST off food? if it meant that poor kids could eat? Yeah, well, I think that there's an, a better way to, to try and target the poverty issue, and that's by lifting the incomes of our low-income families. So, yes, if you... Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. well, so, we, yeah, we've got um, a tax credit regime, mm -hmm. super targeted, and uh, well, it's actually, we actually want to broaden out how many people receive that. Um, but by using that, we can make sure that we boost the incomes by vastly more than you'd ever benefit someone by taking off GST on, on just certain items. So our policy um, uh, is to increase those working for family credits and it means that 70% of New Zealand families would be better off than what they would be with a simple tax cut that National is proposing. And every single family in poverty benefits by that by, a, by quite a lot. So we've got a little calculator on our website, labor.org.nz, if people want to plug in their own income details and see how they benefit from that package. But it's a really effective way of, of helping um, families on low incomes. Excellent. Now, another random one from Twitter. Martin wants to know, you've said you don't want foreigners to be able to buy houses. Which foreigners? Uh, so if you've got a right to live here, you've got a right to buy here. So we, we've got that reciprocal arrangement with Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, and so beyond that, we don't discriminate. Um, it's just simply people who, who aren't you know, citizens and permanent residents. Uh, it's about saying, if you, uh, other than that, if you, if you don't have that long-term vested interest in New Zealand, uh, we're going to put some limitations on being able to buy houses here. Australia does the same thing. Yes. It's just we've got an overheated market right now. It's more than a million dollars on average to buy a home in Auckland. So we've got to try and make sure that it's more accessible. Okay, we've got a bit of a fun one. Someone wants to know uh, what's DJ Jacinda Arden's top track to fill the dance floor? <laughs> um, uh, DJed in the past. Um, <laughs> I actually, my partner's a, an actual um, DJ, although he does a little less of it these days. So uh, since I, I don't do much of that anymore. What's your What's your dance floor banger? What's your What's your oh, filler? Do you know? Well, actually, is it right, is it, uh, right now? I'll tell you what I'm listening to a lot of right now. Um, and it, although it's been out for a while, I really love um, Lord's new album. Oh, it's great. Green it's light. great. It's fantastic. Um, uh, the Louvre, I think, is an awesome yeah. track. Although Green Light was a good was a, a good one for cracking out some some bad shapes on the dance floor. A bad shape. <laughs> no, now we've got another Twitter question. Uh, it's about uh, one of your first hundred days policies, yep. which is uh, legalizing medicinal cannabis. Sarah yep. wants to know: uh, Does that mean that uh, you want doctors to be able to prescribe it? Yes. Or should people be allowed to grow it themselves? So we're, we're going for the doctor prescription side of things um, in terms of accessibility. You know, we think we can make it much, much easier. There is a bill before Parliament around uh, the Grow Your Own. Um, our focus at the moment is on uh, uh, making sure that some of those products that have been tested are, are more widely available and more easily available. But I imagine Parliament will debate that other issue sometime soon. Do you think that uh, under an Arden Labor government that uh, 
marijuana could ever be legalised for recreational use? We, we haven't, we're not campaigning on that. That's yeah. a conscience issue. And mm -hmm. um, what I have said is that I don't think people should be locked up in prison for that. I okay. don't think that's a good use of resource. Um, that we should be taking much more of a health approach than we do at the moment, a criminal justice approach. Mm -hmm. And there are some great ways that we can do that um, that doesn't require de uh, decriminalisation, but would really change the way that we, that we deal with the issue. We've had a few questions on homelessness. Uh, someone asked us, uh, how the hell did New Zealand end up with one of the highest homelessness yeah. rates in the OECD? I mean, you're obviously not in government, but... Uh, is the, does Labor have a plan to, yeah. to, to curb that? Yeah, and, and there's no doubt anyone who's, you know, walked up some of our uh, city centres, you know, up Queen Street will, will have noticed there's a really visible increase in rough sleeping. Mm. But that's only one element of homelessness. Homelessness is also people living in garages and cars. And we have families living in cars now, which, you know, um, obviously breaks New Zealanders' hearts because that's not how we see ourselves. So it is in part just it's our housing crisis. We don't have enough houses. We haven't built enough houses. Our houses are expensive. Um, so we've got a plan to build 10,000 um, on average a year. Um, we want to build 1,000 state houses a year as well. So we've got more social housing. And we have a plan to support social agencies to provide more emergency housing. At the moment, we spend $140,000 a day on hotel units to house people. Um, we should have had a long-term plan to invest in, in permanent housing for them. Do you have any targets that you want to hit? So I think it's 40,000 people on the streets at the moment. Do you have a target of what you'd like yeah. to see I within mean, the first year or we've two? We've set a target around ending homelessness. It is yep. going to take us a, f a few years, obviously, but we just if we've got enough emergency beds available and at the same time we're building those permanent permanent spots, then, then we hope to really bring that down as quickly as we can. Now, um, I mentioned the first 100 days of being in government. Uh, you've got about 17 things I think you want to do yep. within those first 100 days. Um, but you've said you won't increase taxes. Yeah. So how do you plan to, to spend? How yeah. do you plan to Pay for budget all, all this? Yeah, yeah. Great, plan, great question. So we've released, again, labor.org.nz, <laughs> an entire fiscal plan. So it's it's got in there some rules that we've set for ourselves and mm. how we're going to manage the economy and then how we pay for everything. So we've set everything out. Um, and basically what you'll see is that one big difference between us and National is that National has campaigned on tax cuts. If they're elected, they're going to bring in uh, the equivalent of roughly over four years, $8 billion worth of tax cuts. We were the only party in Parliament to say no to that. We're not going to bring in tax cuts. We do have that families package for mm. low and middle income earners but I'm, I do not need a tax cut. Yeah. So why should we bring in a package that does that for me? And by not doing that, we save ourselves the money that enables us to invest in health, housing and education. We've also um, got a plan to tackle multinational um, uh, taxation, yep. which at the moment... Google. Yeah. Conglomerates like that. Yep. Yep. So Australia's got plans around that uh, yep. as well. Um, we've got a bit of a tax loophole. We don't call it negative gearing as much, but I know you do in Australia, yes. so we're going we're gonna to deal with negative gearing as well. That brings in a bit of extra revenue. And there's one other difference. We've got a slightly slower debt track. So we'll carry a bit more debt um, over two years, for two years longer than what National is proposing. Mm -hmm. But that's so that we can get on with building those houses. That's for that capital fund to build, to build more houses. So I think that's the kind of investment that's worth making. But uh, you, you talked about uh, looking at people like Google, but there's also been some examples in New Zealand of uh, people from Silicon Valley, high, like millionaire tech people coming to New Zealand, getting citizenship, yeah. maybe only hanging around for 55 days, yeah. not contributing anything to the country, but maybe technically being allowed to buy a house here under yeah. your policy. Yeah. Do you plan to crack down on them? Yeah, I mean, that, that 
you know, that was really viewed pretty dimly by most New Zealanders, and that was a special set of, set of circumstances that were kind of ticked off by, um, by immigration, and uh, that's not the kind of thing that I think New Zealanders were keen to see keep happening. Okay, cool. Moving on, uh, another one from Twitter, James on Twitter says, are you going to revisit changing the New Zealand flag? No, not this. Not not something that actually even at the time. I mean, you know, we spent twenty six million dollars on that referendum, and we have the same flag. Um, so, you know, my view is that actually it was really kind of cut before the horse. We were changing a flag without really having a conversation about Zealand's future and why and you know where we were going. So, um, no. Do you have plans to put forward a republic proposal if you become PM? Yeah, and I've been asked that question a couple of times. I do think that sits in New Zealand's future, mm. but is it something people feel strongly about right now? Not particularly. You know, I think we will, that is a conversation that, that in our future we need to mm. be having, but a really big first step for New Zealand is the conversation around uh, Māori's relationship with the Crown. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we will not progress towards a republic until the, that, that relationship is, is settled and firmly, squarely understood in the future, because yeah. that's, that's a big one for us. We've got another question from Twitter. Phil wants to know, uh, you want to slash immigration by about 30,000 a year. Uh, do you want to stop immigration altogether? Is that what you're no, working no. towards? No, not at all. And, you know, I always remind people, you know, we're the party that wants to double, you, double the number of refugees that New Zealand takes. We're, you know, we are a nation built on, on, you know, the support of migrants who have come here and called New Zealand home. I'm only a third generation myself. So, uh, so for us, the discussion has only been had because... Uh, we haven't done enough to build the infrastructure in Auckland. It's really an Auckland conversation. Mm. So in 2008, our net migration numbers were about 40,000. Now they're 70,000. Uh, and uh, without enough support being built around building houses and sorting out our congestion. Regional, in the regions, it's a very different story. They have real um, needs, uh, real skills gaps to fill. Uh, so it's, it is a very particular conversation. If, if we had that settlement happening much more broadly through New Zealand, we probably wouldn't have this conversation at all. But a lot are coming to Auckland. Mm. So uh, for us, it's not about picking a number. It's about getting the settings right. Uh, one of the things that's changed in our immigration rules are um, some of the um, visas you can get off the back of coming in for courses mm -hmm. and study. Some of those courses are pretty low level, and there has been you know, some offerings that, you know, aren't top-notch <laughs> education. Yep. Uh, we want to lift the standard a bit, and we won't make an automatic default that you then end up able to work off the back of some of those visas as well. Mm. Now, uh, I, uh, someone want, wants me to ask you about Australia's most famous Kiwi, our Deputy Prime Minister, Barnaby Joyce. Now, you were involved uh, to a small extent in uh, the revelations that he was, in fact, a dual citizen, even though we didn't know it. Yes. Um, there were some very heated things said by Australia's foreign minister and, uh, yes. about you and, and your party. Do you think yes. that if you were elected in a few days' time, how would you go working with Julie Bishop and Malcolm Turnbull? Oh, look, I don't think that there'd be any issue there whatsoever. I certainly um, saw at the time when the issue came up uh, to clarify that we didn't have the role that um, Ms Bishop thought we did in that issue. Um, you know, actually there should never have been any connection whatsoever mm. in, in our minds. One of my MPs asked if you... Um, questions uh, through our um, parliament written question system around issues of citizenship. He had no idea about the Barnaby Joyce situation when he asked those questions. But regardless, 
he shouldn't have asked them. Um, I made it really clear to the um, High Commissioner in New Zealand, the Australia's representative, that um, what I knew of the situation, mm. um, offered to have a conversation with Ms Bishop. That offer still stands. I won't throw up my digits right here, <laughs> just in case. But um, at just in the yeah, yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, definitely the offer. The offer still still stands. You know, our relationship's too important to let politics mm. get in the way, and it runs deep. You know, our, our relationship with Australia. You know, we've. You know, I've got I've got family that that um, uh, that call themselves you know true blue Aussies, um, uh, and uh, it's a close that that's the the kind of nature of our relationship. It goes beyond trade, it goes beyond politics, it goes beyond sport. Um, it's probably uh, one of the most unique relationships we have with anyone. But are you a bit sick of sometimes in the in the global sphere, New Zealand is referred to as other Australia or gets confused with Australia or Australia's little brother. Are you, are you sick oh, of this? We secretly love something to get a little bit annoyed about. <laughs> um, you know, there's, you know, we're, we're the, the Canada to the America, you know. <laughs> mm. um, no, no. I mean, I think we, we all take it in, in, in our stride. Now, one of the things that uh, New but Zealand... But Pavlova's ours. Just oh. FYI. Guys, Just, we've lost yeah. it. Pavlova, why bother? <laughs> why, why go on with anything? You can have meringues or some <laughs> poor cousin to the Pavlova. <laughs> I think we'll stick with, uh, with, with what we've got. Now, um, what about fruit flan? Is that Australian or is that Kiwi? I don't think we've ever claimed the fruit flan. My grandma yeah. claims it. We'll keep that one. You yep. can have the fruit flan. <laughs> there we go. Peace broke out in the land. Pavlova fruit, fruit flan. <laughs> now, um, we're only a few days away from the election. No one a few months ago would have predicted that Labor would be sitting where it is, close within the Prime Minister, potentially. How do you think you're going to go on Saturday? How well, do you rate your chances? Yeah, if yeah, you're a betting woman, yeah, where would well, you put your bets? I, you've got to back yourself, don't you? <laughs> so of course I back our team. Mm. Um, I know it's close though. I know every vote is going to count. You know, I've, I've actually had this view that if we can lift turnout, if we can get more people voting, of course we don't have compulsory voting. We have only compulsory enrolment in New Zealand and even then. If we can lift turnout, then I think we can change the government. So it's really going to come down to where the people show up. The main criticism of you seems to be, I mean, all the sexist stuff aside. <laughs> well, the, the, from what I've noticed in the last couple of days is people really emphasise that 37 years old. Because unlike, oh, well, I guess Emmanuel Macron aside, who's 39, yeah. it's unlike world leaders to be under 40. It's true. And the biggest criticism seems to be, do you have the experience, are you too young to be Prime Minister? What, what do you think about that? Yeah, and, and it's interesting because, you know, when you are 37, of course, you feel like you're moving on in years, but in political years, it's, it mm. is young. I accept that. Um, I've been in politics for nine years. Um, I've been around politics longer than um, the, the last Prime Minister when he became leader of his party. Um, but it also means that my age means I, I, I approach things differently. You know, I'm quite collaborative in the way I want to do things. Uh, I don't want to do politics as usual. So there's some benefit um, to uh, the, uh, the age and the experience that I bring to the table as well. Um, plus, I've got, a, I've got a fantastic team, which includes people who have been in Cabinet before. I've worked alongside a Prime Minister when we were last in government. Uh, so uh, it's, it's not just about me, it's about the team and the experience I bring alongside me as well. And then if things don't go your way on Saturday night, what, what can you expect to do on Sunday morning? Is it finally the first sleep in of the last eight no, weeks? No, there's early media as well. Oh, so, right, so even um, if you don't win, you've still got to be out I've just got there. this mantra, no rest till Christmas. <laughs> um, no regrets and no rest till Christmas. Now you've said that you run your own social media, is that true? Yes, that is true. So if people couldn't get their questions up tonight but wanted to ask you something yes. and they went at Jacinda Arden on Twitter, you'd hit oh, them up? Oh, now there's the one. <laughs> 
The one disclaimer is that um, I haven't been on Twitter as much as usual. Um, so mostly Facebook is better? Instagram. Um, Instagram. Um, Can people Snapchat your question? Oh, I used to be on Snapchat and then I started getting the odd dodgy. <laughs> okay. used to be on Snapchat. Um, and so Instagram <laughs> um, and my Facebook page. Um, is me. Um, sometimes the team will post up a Facebook Live yeah. if I'm in front of it. Yeah. Otherwise, it's me. Well, Jacinda Arden, thanks so much for joining us on BuzzFeed News. Thanks a lot. I like the woman. I like the woman. That was New Zealand's Labour leader, Jacinda Arden. Lane, uh, what did you think of Jacinda? We spent some time with her in her office on Monday night. Alice, I thought she was pretty cool. We were sitting in the room um, just setting up. She walked in just eating some cheese and bickies. She's like, hey, guys, how you going? Just munching down on some chats. We had a bit of a chat to her afterwards. She um, showed us some texts that she's received from Helen Clark. Yeah, because the the farmers were protesting in her hometown and and she was showing these pictures of people calling her a communist. Yeah, and and she was like, (laughs) Helen Clark texted me this and blah, blah, blah. Anyway. What a time. Now, Lane, we did ask... New Zealand Prime Minister Bill English, if he would uh, do an interview with us. Yep. Uh, and his office literally said to me, BuzzFeed, what is BuzzFeed? A question we're very used to. Yes, but I'm very proud to say that BuzzFeed's own Nicholas Ray, our producer, got <laughs> recognised on the streets of Auckland because he is a hashtag celebrity. Yeah. How did it make you feel, Nick, when you got noticed on the streets of Auckland? That is point. And like, it's a guy from the internet. That's it. <laughs> they don't know my name. Oh, my God. They don't know anything else. So famous. But they know your face, Nick. They know your this face. This is exactly what happened when Justin Bieber first started. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, instead of getting New Zealand Prime Minister uh, Bill English, I instead sat down with uh, Education Minister Nikki Kay, who incidentally is also 37 years old. She's an old sparring partner of Jacinda's uh, because they uh, represent, they used to run for the same seat in Auckland. They're both... Uh, both of their electorates are in Auckland, and so she knows her quite well. And look, you know, I said to her, you're 37. Do you think that you should be prime minister? Do you think 37 is too young to be prime minister? And her answers were really interesting. Um, now, a quick note here. You may hear some background noise in this interview because Nikki Kay's office uh, is literally just a small house on a very, very busy road in the city of Auckland. So there is some... Background noise of traffic. But there's also some background noise of me drinking kombucha. So, you know. Swings and roundabouts. Swings and roundabouts. Okay, here's (laughs) Nikki Kay. Nikki Kay is the New Zealand Education Minister, but she's speaking to us today as a member of the national team campaigning for a fourth term in government. Minister, thanks so much for joining us here on BuzzFeed News. It's good to be with you. And I have to say thank you for the kombucha. I've never been offered kombucha, not even by Australian politicians, so oh, this really? is definitely a first for the podcast. Oh, since I um, since I got breast cancer last year, um, it's been my... Um, my drink of choice. Mm, definitely. I can taste the fermentation in my mouth. Yeah. Okay. Now, for people who don't know you, you were born and raised in Auckland. Um, you're a competitive runner. Your seat is uh, Auckland Central. You did a science law degree at uni. You are you worked for Bill English before becoming a member of parliament. But um, off the top, first thing I want to ask you is, when you were 17, you were in a TV show that sounds oh my like God. a child version of Survivor. It was called Fish Out of Water. Please, what was this show? You have, you have no idea how, how often I've tried to hide that footage. Um, I was um, 17, yeah. I, we were chucked on an island off Great Barrier mm-hmm. and asked to survive for um, 
a week without food and it was just pretty much like Lord of the Flies. It was crazy. <laughs> and I don't know how many people have seen that footage of me like um, bashing an eel. Um, so, yeah, I've tried to hide it. Surely it would teach you a lot about strategy and politics though. <laughs> well, it's pretty cutthroat. Um, I mean, I think the thing I, I found is that, you know, obviously when people get under pressure, different people rise mm. to the top. And... Um, yeah, it was a pretty hardcore situation. Well, hopefully you can you when you, when you're in government and you need to be cutthroat, you can you can think back to that time and think it could be worse. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Do you think, uh, given the Labor have a policy which is, I think, the aim is to try and get more people in universities by giving the first year of uni free and then slowly phasing in more free uni. Do you think that too many people are going to higher education? Do you think too many people are going to universities that, and the system can't sustain it? Well, look, I think um, one of the successes of New Zealand is our participation in higher education, right? So mm. it's, it's generally a good thing, but I do think you have to be really careful. And I think Labor's policy, you know, we, we've said, look, tertiary education at the moment is 84% subsidised in New Zealand. Um, in looking at what jobs are out there and what people can earn, whether it's trade apprenticeships or the ICT sector. Look, I know there are a number of New Zealand companies who are very focused on the fact that they want to train young people themselves rather than institutions, and um, they are talking to me about this. And I think we need to understand that the world is changing. The, the concept that one a young person will just stay in one institution um, you know, may be very foreign to us in five or six years' time. There are many young people that may end up doing multiple uh, qualifications, some of them online. And I just think this is another example where Labor talk a big game about the future of work, but whether it's through them not supporting communities of online learning or having this blanket kind of student bribe around... Do you um, think it's a student bribe to get people in? Well, I think they haven't thought about the future consequences of what our workforce need and what it looks like and what is actually fairness between Mm. those young people that um, come out of school and go straight into work. Um, And, you know, that's why we've chosen to spend money on first home buyers, uh, particularly those people that maybe, you know, that are obviously earning under um, 130000 for a couple, but 85000 for a single person. It's all about what your choices are. And we see that as fairness, so that everybody gets a go, everybody gets the ability to try and get into a house. Mm. And So are you saying that rather than uh, subsidise people going to uni... You'd rather people go into the workforce and you'd subsidise them buying a house? Well, no, what I've said is I think it's good to subsidise people going to higher education. That's why we're doing it, right? It's 84%. But to make the additional massive commitment to make it free, we've chosen to put a quarter of a billion dollars instead into first home buyers Mm -hmm. uh, because we see that as fairness. That's everybody, whether you're going into work or whether you're a student, um, can get access to that, you know, if you're under the income caps. You know, ultimately, I sort of, I think people underestimate young New Zealanders and um, I constantly find that. I mean, one of the the biggest things I say when I go into schools is um, don't believe what you see on the front page of the paper. We have extraordinary young people doing amazing things. You mentioned people saying negative things about young people, you know, doll bludges, et cetera, et cetera. Isn't that kind of what people in your party, like maybe older middle-aged people in conservative parties, isn't that what they say about young people? 
Well, the some of your I'd, colleagues potentially. The first thing I'd say is um, I don't I don't call us a conservative party. One of the things about the National Party that makes it, or the reason that we've managed to get nearly half of the country compared mm. to other cons- like what I call conservative parties across the world, is we're at our best when we've got half liberals and half Conservatives, mm. and that's acting in the national interest, and I'm obviously from the Liberal wing, um, and so, um, no, I mean, look, I think, um, you know, if you look at uh, both the history in terms of us, we've increased the number of youth development places from 50,000 to 70,000, the work that we're doing in social investment, I mean, it, the number of young Māori now leaving school, being able to read and write from 44% NCA Level 2 uh, to 74%, you know, it's about what you do for young people, and while it's not perfect, I am very confident in areas like education, we are doing more for their lives, and it's amazing the number of people that recognise that. The New Zealand economy is going gangbusters at the moment, mm. uh, and uh, you know, you've had, you've had three terms, and, and it's incredibly successful, but I was just wondering at, at what cost that's come at, because the, uh, the homelessness figures, mm. uh, especially around Auckland, are mm. extremely high. Mm. Should, should, do you think that your, your government needs to spend more money on social welfare issues and less focus on having such a big surplus? So I think a couple of things. The first thing is if you look at what we were faced in 2008, we were steering down a decade of deficits as a nation. We are now one of only a few countries in the world in surplus with having a $30 billion bill for Canterbury. We are the comeback kings of the world in term, from an economic perspective, and we did that without going and slashing a whole lot of entitlements of what um, some people might have argued for, and that's because we care deeply about people um, and you know making sure that they were okay during this time. So to raise the education budget every year that we've been in office with that bill for Canterbury and the decade of deficits is pretty extraordinary. Now we do have choices. We have way more choices. That's what I say to people. We haven't been sitting there for nine years with a whole lot of cash in the bank account. We've got ourselves um, out of the crap, to be frank, <laughs> um, and we're now having way more choices. What I would say, though, just over the homelessness issue. So what we are doing is we're doing a massive um, revamp of our social housing in Auckland, for instance. We're going to be building, I think it's 34,000 social houses and um, more affordable houses. So, you know, there's a huge project underway there. Um, in terms of actually homelessness, what I said, when I um, first met with the city missioner when I became elected, um, one of the things that um, she said to me was that the number of rough sleepers in Auckland Central has always been between 95 and 115. Now, it has gone up, right? Uh, and But the issue has been that no one has been able to find the program. Um, while we've had success with some individuals, uh, the, uh, the right program to be able to help some of those people get off their fi- get onto their feet, until quite recently, and we've invested in this program called Housing First, which is wraparound mental health um, services, uh, plus the basic premise of it is, instead of where we've been putting um, someone who may have been homeless into a house, and then they've ended up back on the street, that we have very intensive case management with those um, people. Now, if you talk to Moira from LifeWise and Chris from City Mission, they love the program. We have seen people who have been homeless for 19 years now um, uh, not, Mm. and so we have announced a massive expansion of that. Um, That's one thing. And then secondly... 
the city mission have, um, and this is part of our social housing reform, have argued that they need a dedicated facility of uh, beds, but also detox unit and place for social, social services. I've, I've worked with them on this project, and I was really pleased to be able to say after years of work and um, 12 months of a, te- you know, sort of a, um, a procurement process, we announced $27 million to help deliver that project. So I don't think it's the case at all that we haven't cared. I don't think it's the case that we haven't been doing a whole lot of stuff behind the scenes, but I think it is the case that we've got some pretty big projects underway. Do you have a, a target that you want to, do you want to hit or, or a, a goal that you're working well, towards? Well, from my perspective, it's really simple. We want... Um, as we want to ensure um, people are off the streets and in warm, dry homes. That's why we, we have, with the Green Party, it was a memorandum of understanding, we've insulated um, 300,000 houses for low-income families. So a lot of people don't know that. When they find that out, they sort of do have a slightly different view of national. Now, you're the Youth Affairs Minister. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you about the uh, the the suicide rate in mm. New Zealand. I know that it's one of the highest in yep. in developed countries. Um, National has been in government for three terms, and and it, and it hasn't. It's really not gone down. Yep. Is there what uh, what kind of uh, strategies and approaches as you as Youth Affairs Minister? How are you going to try and deal with this? So, um, a couple of things. The first is so this has been a pretty long standing issue. What we um, have done initially under John. Key is he announced this project called the Youth, uh, the Prime Minister's Youth Mental Health Project. He said, "Look, we need to do better and have much better um, strategies at dealing with this." Um, he announced everything from um, combating bullying. We brought in the first positive behaviour for learning programs in schools. Um, that's changed the environment, but the overall suicide rate has not gone down. And what we're noticing. Um, is that we are seeing particularly more young women who are cutting themselves as well. Mm. Um, And so we also, as part of that package, increased funding to youth one-stop shops, which is free services for young people, including counselling. We did a range of things. Now, um, as I say, what we can see is that there are still a a high number of um, young people taking their life, um, and we've seen... A bit of a change in some schools in terms of a reduction in bullying, but we haven't seen that persistent um, well, suicide come yeah, down. I was, so I was surprised to see that New Zealand has one of the highest bullying rates yeah. in schools. Yeah. So what what we have um, been doing over the last sort of year is we've announced um, $220 million more in mental health, and we announced about $100 million of that is a lot of it is very focused on young people. And here's what we we sat down with all the chief science advisors and what we've looked at across the world and what we're going to do is we have to start way younger. So what we know is that the about 50% of those children with behavioural issues may have a co-relocating mental health issue. So we're going to be um, delivering uh, more resilience um, programs in both early childhood and schools. The second thing we saw is that in some schools, they don't have access to frontline mental health services in their schools. So I've announced additional funding um, in schools for frontline mental health. The next big thing, and I've sat down with a number of young people who have, have... Um, either attempted suicide or have um, cut themselves. And they don't want to walk into a school uh, a counsellor and have um, counselling, and they don't want to work in, walk into a community centre. So we've been looking at a lot of the international experience around e-therapies and online telehealth services. So we've announced that we're going to be delivering more in this area. But one of the biggest things 
That is not something you can fix overnight. Again, if you think of the why, why do we have this? Uh, and lots of people have thought about it, is we have some intergenerational social issues like family and sexual violence, for which when we uh, knock that on the head, and it's not a thing you can turn o- overnight, then that's when we will make even stronger gains. And if our interview with Nikki Kay has raised some issues for you and you'd like to talk to somebody, you can speak to Lifeline in New Zealand on 0800 543 354 or in Australia, Lifeline's number is 13 11 14. You mentioned that, you, that, that National is not necessarily a conservative party, but Bill English is, uh, is a Catholic. Uh, he's raised six children. He has mm. some very strong views about things such mm. as abortion, and that's mm. one one area where you've differed from other people in yep. your party. You've said that you think that abortion should be decriminalised, so currently it is a crime, mm. and and you think that uh, that should be changed. Yeah, so I think the thing I'd say, a lot of people ask me why you're at, right? And I say to them, because, you know, fundamentally I believe in equality of opportunity. I'm going to fight as long as I'm in Parliament to... Um, ensure that every young person has access to good education, health services and housing. But I also believe there's half a million small businesses and self-employed people. They are the engine room of New Zealand. They are mums and dads' businesses and they should be rewarded for their efforts. And when I sit down with another Labour MP, the fundamental difference I often find is that they would argue that um, there should just be redistribution for the sake of it. And I think you you need to reward people. But what I'm always proud of within my party is that we have enabled on social issues um, where we have a conscience vote, freedom, right? So I have the freedom to uh, do whatever I want on whether it's same-sex marriage, whether it's um, issues of alcohol reform, or abortion. And so I accept that. And look, um, Bill, like a number of other people in my caucus, actually represent a group of New Zealand society who have those views. But I absolutely do believe that the law is archaic. The one thing I'd say is I, I think there will be a private member's bill that comes up. And I've been really clear with my electorate um, as to the fact that I would want change. It doesn't matter how it's worded. I don't think that, from what I can see from the abortion super um, advisory reports, um, it's not that there's necessarily a problem going on in terms of women getting access, because then I would be really, really concerned. Yeah. It's more from a principled level, um, do you think that... Um, uh, you know, the way the law is worded, um, it sits well with um, who I am. And I, and I think there should be change, uh, but I think that that will be by um, the normal private members' bill process. And I would likely vote for change, but I would have to see the wording because I think it's a very tricky issue. And um, as someone who's got a Bachelor of Science in Genetics, you know, there's both health issues, there's legal issues, there's ethical issues, and we would just need to navigate through it. Australia is currently uh, debating same-sex marriage. The whole yes. country is yeah, yeah, yeah. getting a postal survey about about uh, whether or not we should legalise. Um, that's not how New Zealand did it. You've obviously had same-sex marriage since yep. 2013. Has anything dramatic changed in New Zealand since same-sex marriage was legalised from your point of view? Um, uh, the reality is no. I've been a very strong ad- advocate in New Zealand um, for same-sex marriage. Um, I think that... You know, it's about love and it's about actually respecting people's rights. Um, And in my view, Australia need to get on with it. (laughs) So what would your advice to Malcolm Turnbull be? (laughs) Just do it? (laughs) Just, uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
Um, but I noticed that uh, Bill English did come out and say that he voted against it in 2013 and he wished he could have gone back and changed his, not, his mind and voted in favour because... That's right. That's right. Look, I mean, I think the reality is... Um, I meet a lot of young LGBTI youth and I've actually um, put in funding for Rainbow Youth First Government contract to ensure that we prevent bullying um, in schools. You know, for all other New Zealanders, nothing will change, but for a group of um, New Zealanders or Australians, their life will change because they will feel respected. They will have the ability to be recognised in terms of their love of their partner, and that is the right thing to do. Do you think that there are the Conservatives or the people uh, on the right wing that maybe were against same-sex marriage in New Zealand have mellowed now that it has been legalised? Yeah, I think that's probably the case. I mean, I think... Um, I think, you know, the reality is everybody said at the time... Um, that this would be very significant for a group of people, but everybody else's lives would continue on. And I think that's what's, that's the experience. That's what's happened. Um, but look, I, I hesitate to interfere in Australian politics. Well, if everyone else wants to get yep, involved, I think it's fine. <laughs> but, but, but I do think, um, you know, they just need to get on with it. Um, finally, I just wanted to ask you, you're 37. You're a minister. Yes. Uh, now, a lot of the criticism about Jacinda Ardern is that she's too young mm. uh, to be prime minister. She doesn't have the experience. Yeah. Do you think that you could be prime minister at the age of 37 where you are now? Um, no, actually. Um, so when I first became a minister, if I'm being really honest, mm. it was... Um, uh, it took me, I mean, I feel a little bit sorry for the public servants that um, possibly dealt with me when I was first a minister. It's a huge job just being a minister. Mm. Um, I personally, I look at Bill and I think he's extraordinary. And I think I also looked at John, you know, to be PM, you have to get up really early. Uh, you are um, working again late into the evening, uh, while ministers work long hours, you come under extraordinary pressure around your values and who you are, and you have to be able to make the courageous calls. I have seen Bill, in our worst possible time, make really difficult, tough calls. Mm. And if I'm being, again, I really like Jacinda, but I haven't seen her make the tough calls, and I think the tax stuff where she cut and run, and I think the superannuation stuff where she cut and run, is... Um, Unfortunately, and that doesn't mean with time she wouldn't get there. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm not saying, you know, maybe one day, but I just think, you know, it's about having a very clear plan, um, having a very clear team, um, and then being able to execute that. And I think we can't know, it, people are saying to me they're very confused about what the plan is. Yep. Um, they haven't seen the team. And I just don't feel like the hard calls have been made. And I was really gutted on the superannuation stuff because I have seen her campaigned on that issue. Yeah. And then she backtracked. Do you think some of the sexist comments have been a bit unfair? Yes. I don't have, I don't condone, I don't condone mm. any form of... Do you of, get any sexism? I mean, you're the yeah, same age. Absolutely. You're also a woman in a, in a high, absolutely. high political job. Absolutely. I do get um, some of that. And um, I just think we should have zero tolerance for that stuff. Mm. Um, so this is this should not at all be about um, uh, Jacinda's just gender. It should be about policy, mm. right? We should be totally focusing on what is it that the leaders and the parties uh, think they can do for New Zealand, and then you know do they have the ability to deliver that either via their team or via who they are? 
We're a few days out from the polls now. Um, how how you call? Is it too soon to call? Is it too close to call? Are you a betting woman? Where would you put your money? I think it's um, really close. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, yeah, it's about. There's a group of people that are sitting there. And that what they're saying to me is they're saying, um, look, you guys have been in for a while. Um, we understand you guys are really good at the economic stuff. We want to hear more about the social um, policies. Um, we kind of know they're not ready. Um, so this is what they're saying to me, this yep. group of um, swinging voters. Um, so, you know, we're, we're on the fence. And so I think it's anyone's to win at this point. Uh, and so we'll be going out there and campaigning really hard. Minister, thanks so much for joining us on BuzzFeed News. Thank you. Thanks. I like the woman. I like the woman. New Zealand Education Minister Nikki Kay there giving some rather frank advice to Australia uh, to just, you know, get on with uh, marriage equality. Elaine, we couldn't. We couldn't go a single week without talking about that darn postal survey, could we? <laughs> we absolutely couldn't. I regret to inform everyone. What did you think of Nikki Kay? Yeah, Nikki Kay was um, really interesting. Um, uh, I, I mean, I guess maybe because it's a, an election campaign, they have a bit more time. But, um, you know, I don't think an Australian education minister would sit down with me for four, for 45 minutes uh, talking in detail about how Auckland needs to be building up and not out. It's a lot of, <laughs> lot of housing chat yep. that Mark Stefano would be very jealous of. Um, but <laughs> interestingly, when... Um, when so Nick, you know, does all of our recording, and and we were setting up the equipment, and there was some kind of noise coming through. He could hear music playing, and we were trying to figure out if someone's laptop or phone was playing. And uh, she kind of she Nikki K looked at Nick and said, "Oh, it, it isn't Miley Cyrus, is it?" And Nick was like, "No." And then she looked at me and she's like, "I got Miley Cyrus on my phone. Big Miley Cyrus fan. Big Miley Cyrus fan." <laughs> Well, so, I yeah. like that. I like a woman who will unapologetically point out that she is a Miley Cyrus fan. Yeah, and also she's had cancer twice. She is one of the highest, you know, education ministers. She's 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 high up in the, in the New Zealand uh, government cabinet. She's a really impressive woman, 37. Yeah. yeah. Lots of impressive 37-year-olds in New Zealand. Yeah, maybe that's the age. Maybe that's the age when everything comes together, Lane. Yeah. God, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on from my... Nick, you're laughing a little too hard at that. <laughs> yep. Nick, Nick and I are having a mid-20s crisis at the moment. <laughs> okay. It's really tough. We don't have time for bin juice, but I did want to give the final word for our New Zealand election special to Max Key. <laughs> Son of former New Zealand Prime Minister John Key, who, and in my opinion, has one of the best Snapchat. I think we've talked about his Snapchat account on this podcast before, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I, I wasn't really aware of Max Key before you brought him into my life. <laughs> anyway, I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we, uh, we convinced him to come and meet up with us in New Zealand and, and film a really stupid uh, Pavlova decorating video, which you can check out on our Facebook page. But I thought I'd give the final word on the New Zealand election to Max Key. I want to challenge you, Jacinda Ardern, to a DJ battle. Anytime, anywhere, name the place. I'm Holy there. Shit. What would you drop first? Fantasy by Max Key out now. <laughs> <laughs> We'll yeah. find out. We will find out. We will find out. Anytime you hit me up, I'll be there. <laughs> so we'll be in Auckland for the next couple of days. We're going to head along to the election night parties and we're going to hopefully get some uh, very good gallery whispers. Gallery whispers. We can chuck into the podcast uh, next week. Um, before I want to go, I want to say a huge thank you to our producer, Nicholas Ray, Nick Ray. Thank you very much. A big thank you to Rode Microphones for supporting the podcast. Hit me up. I'm at Workman Alice. She's at Lane Sainty on Twitter. And finally, as ever, Alice, I have to ask you, 
Is it on? Well, this is a great question because it's probably going to be on depending on what happens on Saturday in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Who's going to win? Who's not going to win? If Jacinda loses, will she get to stick around? Bill English loses, will he get to stick around? I mean... They've both been in for such short periods of time. I mean, I mean, we're, we're looking likely for a spill in the next week. It's pretty, like, for people that love spills, it's pretty exciting. But <laughs> you know what? I have to just really quickly say, you know what's not on? Mm. Chocolate fish. Now, chocolate fish may be New Zealand's favourite chocolate marshmallowy treat, but I tried it this week and I did not like it. Yeah, I didn't like it either. Two thumbs down. Pink marshmallow is gross. It was weird. It was a strange I don't know why experience. I got into hushed tones. Like, I don't want New Zealand to hear me say this. <laughs> We're sorry, New Zealand. Yeah. Fish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's just stick I, to fish and chops. I, just, and I cannot believe LMP. they are Pauline Hanson's favourite treat. They're also halal certified. Well, they're just and not, I don't think she knows that either. They're just not very tasty. They're just not. Sorry, Pauline. Sorry. I disagree. Anyway. <laughs> sorry, Pauline. Sorry, Pauline. But your favourite snack food ain't delicious. All right. That's all we have time for. Thank you so much for listening from all of us here in Auckland. Bye. 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 Just